0: friends, we need to chat. As the days count by, I can't help but think about the shift from the first half to the second half of the year. 2024 is flying by so fast. I want to give you a heads up that I'm hosting a free mid-year reboot event at the end of June. It's called Start Fresh and it's exclusively for email subscribers. I'll be teaching how to untangle all of your projects and ideas to create a motivating plan for scrapbooking during the rest of 2024. The event will also feature a special offer for a no subscription membership that is only available once per year. To lead up to this exclusive event, I'm also sharing some of my best secrets for scrapbooking more consistently with my email subscribers. If you are not getting emails from me, from Jennifer Wilson from Simple Scrapper, make sure you press pause on this episode And head over right now to simplescrapper.com slash focus. Simply enter your information and you'll be all squared away. Plus, I'll send you the Focus Finder, our favorite tool that you can start using immediately. I'll see you over there.
1: Just think about all the awesome success stories. Like what a weight. For some people, it's been on their mind for years. They've just never taken the step. But if they could actually like conquer it
0: or at least get in the right direction,
1: what a win that would be.
0: Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 70. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's up next for June. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. Hello, hello. Hello, Kim. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? I am doing pretty well. I do have the dryer going outside and it's pouring down rain outside, so <laughs> we will see how this comes out.
1: I'd say our heat is definitely running and... um I seem to have a very popular bird feeder right now, so we'll roll with it. Yeah,
0: no, it's all about real life, right? (laughs) Sure is. So we are here for yet another episode of our monthly chats. I always love these conversations because it's an opportunity for us to really like connect on a personal level about what's going on in our own creativity, in our own lives, and share what's coming up at Simple Scrapper. It's kind of like almost a mini planning session in a way. And we're able to really shift gears from one month to the other. And I don't know about you, but I'm really loving these themes. I am as well. I think...
1: It gives you an opportunity to dive in deep, I guess, or deeper, I guess, on any particular given theme, and then it lets you explore it, and you can decide if you want to go further or, you know, that was just nice, and I'm ready to move on. Yeah, exactly. It's like
0: It gives you that taste, Mm -hmm. and for some people, like, certain topics are going to be like, oh, yes, now I've, like, I want to do more of this. I'm going to incorporate this you know, philosophy, especially in our, our conversations that we have inside the community and in the your Way workshops, like people are getting real practical new ideas they can implement. And then sometimes it's like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm already doing well in that area, or this doesn't really interest me. And I don't want to spend time there. And that's great, too. But it gives you that chance to really think about one thing at a time. Yes, I think it's really exciting. All right, so let's Talk about what is new in your world. To me, I'm like I can't believe it's been a month. I think it's only been maybe like three and a half weeks, but like it's been you know almost a month since we last chatted, and it feels like maybe five days. <laughs> oh yeah, time is in a weird spot right now. That is for so sure for sure.
1: Well, um, I I wouldn't say a hiatus, but since National Scrapbook Day, there's just a lot going on, and um. This time of year is a big garden yard time of year for my family, and so I've been kind of focusing my efforts out there, and I was awaiting an order of supplies that I got over National Scrapbook Day weekend, so I was kind of eager to dig into those, but they hadn't arrived yet. Um, So I have been spending probably more time than I should on this online kind of like style course I signed up for. Oh. You know, I'm 40 years old. You would think at some point I would be able to dress myself. But I have always found clothes shopping to be exceedingly frustrating. Like, I do not enjoy it at all. And even as a child, it was very difficult. And I always kind of came to the conclusion that I was just really picky or, like, I just could not understand why. Um, And one nice thing about this course is it takes you through, like, body shapes and identifying your style and all things. But it also talks a lot about fit. And I am realizing that I always knew I had a longer torso, but apparently it is quite long and that is going to impact my selections, but also my like pant inseam. I'm kind of in between tall sizes and regular sizes. Yeah. So I think applying all of this kind of concrete knowledge, um, hopefully will make this whole process much more enjoyable for me. I was to the point where, and a very minimalist wardrobe. And one, I like that. But two is also because I could not face the concept of choosing something to add to it. Like I just, I just didn't want to deal with it. So I would, you know, shirts would get like a hole in it. I'd be like, I'm stitching everything until like at some point I just had to get rid of things. And so um, it's like I said, I've probably been spending more time on it than is probably wise. But I feel like I'm making progress, so that's exciting.
0: Hey, I'm on day 50 plus of photographing my hair. So like we're all doing what we need to do right now to make our lives feel a little bit better. A little
1: more interesting. And, you know, um, I'm home, so I might as well do something with that time. I am fascinated by your hair. I have like the straightest (laughs) of straight hair. So it is kind of amazing to me to see like your day one photo to like today's photo and how your curls have evolved. That's really
0: interesting. I know. I know. And I just like, I'm like thinking all all the time about like a year from now, like if I can really stick this out, like, will my hair actually really be curly in a year? Like, have I really just been like beating it down for so long that it just kind of is very wavy? Um, I don't know, because I have pretty fine hair. So the whole thing is just very fascinating. I'm, I have the time at home you know, because I don't have to be anywhere and I can sit around with sopping wet hair for hours at a time. But, uh, yeah, we shall see. I will include a link in the show notes. I've been keeping track in the highlights of all my posts. And so I will share that link in the show notes of my curly hair journey. If those of you hadn't seen it yet and are curious, um, I've been loving having conversations with people and they've been sharing product recommendations and it's been, it's been fascinating and a nice distraction. So we need to go back, though. What is this course that you've been taking? Okay, so,
1: and I really hesitated to like mention it because it's you can't sign up for it now; like registration is closed. But I'm sure they'll have it open again. It's called Simply Put Together, okay. and it's by the lady that does the putting putting me together blog or putting myself together. Okay, it's one I of those. am not
0: familiar with this at all. But. Okay,
1: so I've done several of her style challenges in the past few years, where she would essentially suggest a capsule wardrobe. And her intent was not that you would go out and buy those specific pieces. It was always just that these are guide guidance, I guess, to find similar type pieces that you could mix and match. So it's kind of like finding a foundation wardrobe. And there were a lot of times they were seasonal and she's no longer doing those monthly challenges, at least at this point, she isn't. Um, instead she put together this course and it's kind of to give you the tools to basically create your own wardrobe and challenges, you know, instead of like her guiding you, it's, you can like come up with what, with what is the best fit for you and your body and your coloring, all those things. So, um, so yeah, it's called simply put together and I should, check is either putting myself together or putting me
0: together. We'll we'll find out the links and put those mm -hmm. in the show notes. I'm interested in this because I've done a lot of like the capsule wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't like implemented it to a severe degree, but I've thought about it a lot and I've narrowed things down and I've, you know, rearranged things in my closet. But like the fit part, I think, is a really—it's a really big deal. Because if you think about the clothes that you pass over, it's probably not because you don't like them on the hanger. It's because when you put them on, they make you feel like junk. Because you are like, it doesn't yes. fit your body the right way.
1: Well, and it was not
0: an inexpensive
1: purchase. It was—I um, had a coupon code, but and it ended up being just under two hundred dollars. Cool. But I will say. I'm to the point where I don't do a lot of like target or old Navy type purchases in general, because I dislike shopping so much. If I'm going to buy something, I want it to hopefully be a little bit better quality that will last longer. Mm -hmm. So my thought process on this was that if I could invest, say the cost of like, I don't know, like five $40 pieces for my whole lifetime to actually have make smarter purchases that I will like better down the road. I figured that would be worth it for me, but oh, yes, yeah. not, and also there is a, um, there's a Facebook group, so not everybody's into Facebook, but that has actually been one. I mean, once you work through the the course material, that's been very, very helpful because, you know, everyone, um, in that Facebook group or is going through this course. And so they have a lot of the same questions or, um, concerns or things that they're trying to address. And so there's, a ton of really valuable feedback that you can get from that group. And then just conversations about, you know, I'm this body shape and what are your, in this clothing style, like, what is your favorite shopping, you know, store that you like to go to? Or what do you think about, like, I'm very confused by pant lengths. (laughs) So like I'm making my family take pictures of me in these outfits and be like, okay, what do you guys, what, what shoes? So It's been very helpful because it's one thing to go through it on your own and to think you understand it, but it's also really helpful to get feedback from both the instructors, but also fellow class um, participants as well.
0: That's really cool. And I have two thoughts on that. One is that, I mean, the, the whole pant leg thing, it really matters. Like, why do I, I won't buy anything longer than seven eighth, like seven eighth length leggings because seven eighth mm-hmm. eight goes to my ankle, like all the yeah. way down because I'm short. And other people, I'm sure it is, you know, slightly cropped, but you have to know your body dimensions to be able to buy the right thing. So it doesn't like gather or do weird, weird things, I <laughs> okay. And shockingly, that's not something I ever really paid attention
1: to before. I would just oh, okay. buy something and hope for the best and either I liked it or I didn't like it, but I'd never put my finger on what about it was bothering me
0: so well, and I had an observation recently about sweaters is that I have pretty narrow set shoulders. And so, Mm -hmm. um, a raglan sleeve, you know, like the baseball style is the good example, like where it comes in, that is a much more flattering cut on me because then I don't have a seam like on normal people, if their shoulders are in the right place, the seam is on your shoulder. Well, on mine, it's never there. It's always like two inches out of each of my shoulders. And so it has this weird, you know, pucker. And so I really started paying attention to, okay, this is the type of sleeve that is more flattering on my body because of the shape of my shoulders. Okay, and you did you made a point if their shoulders were in the right place or your shoulders. That will I will say
1: that Audrey, the course instructor has done a good job about pointing out the fact that, you know, we can celebrate everybody's body no matter, you know, shape size, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so your shoulders are in the right place for you, Jennifer. That's oh. <laughs> where they're supposed to be. But also um the idea of you know, these are just guidelines or suggestions In the end, you know, wear whatever you feel good in and that you're excited to wear. You don't have to follow these rules. But since you've signed up for this course, chances are you are interested, and here are some to look at. And I will say also, just her blog in general is full. It's a really great resource of all sorts of information. It was just nice that the course is, like, everything is brought together in you know, video modules and there's worksheets.
0: And so well, that was very appealing. That me. brings me back to my other point. Uh, and you were talking about trying to justify the investment. And I think we we had this conversation both internally and publicly about Simple Scrapper a lot. Like, why would you need to join the community when I can just buy more supplies? Because yeah, are you using all the supplies you're buying? Maybe we should talk about that and figure out how to better, stream, you know, not necessarily even streamline, but um, strategize your purchases so that you're using more of the supplies, you're making progress, and you're not ending up with too much stash that's overwhelming or stash that you'll never use. Like, we have stuff in our closet that we probably, you know, didn't wear very many times because it wasn't the purchase that was... <laughs> the fashion equivalent of your way
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. well and are you enjoying it that's the other thing too I could you know buy all the scrapbook supplies in the world and just live in my own little corner over here but it is nice to reach out and get that community and that's what I'm experiencing within this fashion group too it's nice to like you know make new friends that have the same interests as you and um that has a lot
0: of value I think awesome I love it so much thank you for sharing that So inside of scrapbooking, what's exciting you right now? So I mentioned earlier
1: that I had gotten an order for National Scrapbooking Day weekend when there were some sales and things on. Yeah. And some of the I got some things from the Pebbles lovely moments line, which I have no idea how new or old this line is. I have not ordered like paper scrapbook supplies for probably over a year, I think. So um I've kind of been out of the loop a little bit. But one thing that I really like about this line specifically is it has several pieces of, it's almost like it's like a craft patterned paper. So it's taking, you know, a basic element like craft cardstock. And then there's one that's like a polka dot paper or a gingham paper. So I feel like it's like taking that basic and just kind of elevating
0: it a little bit up
1: to add a lot more interest. So
0: I'm very excited to use those Is it white, like white design on the craft? Yes. I love that. I've had some of those over the years from different different lines. Yeah. So they had
1: several in there and um, they also had some of that. We talked about this, I think, at the um, Simple Scrubber Retreat in October, that really like deep green color that Mm -hmm. I'm loving so much right now. And it looks so pretty with the craft and with pinks and very springy. So I'm excited to dig into that.
0: I am still waiting for my purchases to arrive. I, of course, ordered several uh, stamp sets from Everyday Explorers. I didn't order another mm-hmm. one of the, the kits because I already have one, but I, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I love her stamp so much. And so I ordered several of those. And then I also did order some new inks. Um, we had some conversations during our crop time over the weekend about different inks. I did this like whole like testing of all the current inks I have, and I was really just... I've never really had really good colorful dye inks that I enjoyed using. So I ordered four of the Gina K little ink cubes and Mm -hmm. eventually hopefully they will arrive and I'm going to be testing those. I like, there are more, of course, more colors that I liked, but I'm like, let me test four different ones, some more light, some more dark, um, test them with my favorite stamps, do some backgrounds, some cards, and then see, see where we want to go from there. So well, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, of course, I lo- I like, I'm loving stamping so much these days, and it, it fits so well with the hybrid approach. Yes. So what types of colors did you get? I think I got, let's see, off the top of my head, I got like a very light, like a sandy color. I think maybe it was called sandy beach. Sometimes I get mm-hmm. eyeshadow and ink colors uh, mixed up, <laughs> but um, like a, a lighter gray um. So, of course, very neutral. I realize those hurt like kind of colors. <laughs> and then I got a uh a yellow that's tending towards green. I think. Okay. It's like a a, a lemon lime mix shirt. Not not quite like chartreuse. I don't know. We talked about this with my grandma's wedding dress too. It's actually yes. probably not that different from that. Um. Anyway, like a yellowy green, and then like a. Uh, a really vibrant like turquoise aquamarine type color.
1: So it sounds like a good variety and um, very versatile because you had mentioned about the everyday Explorer stamp sets. And I think what I like so much about them is they're easy. Like you don't have to build your page or your project around the stamp. You can like tuck them, find little places to tuck them in to add that perfect finishing touch. Yes. So that yes. is what is fun.
0: Yeah. Now I love her stuff so much. And I just I can't believe I hadn't I'd like eyed things over the years, but had just hadn't taken the leap, even though I like admired her work. Um and now having used the stamps, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a regular customer now because of that that yeah. versatility of the designs. And of course they're just they're beautiful as well. And
1: great quality. Not all stamps. Are created equally. I found that over the years, sadly, um, you might really love a design, but if it just doesn't stamp well, it's frustrating to use. And I thought her stamps were um, were really good quality.
0: Well, there's something about this this time in our lives. I think our all of our purchases have shifted a little bit. Like I don't know about you, but I'm not actually shopping at the same grocery store I normally shopped at just because I hadn't been able to like get the things I needed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm purchasing like from like more local suppliers and small businesses, both both small businesses locally and, you know, nationally. It's just my purchases are, are different and I'm thinking more about how I can support the people and enterprises that I want to still be around in the future. Good point. Yeah. Like we ordered from our favorite Chinese food restaurant last night, they had not been open for six weeks, and they just reopened. And we're like, we're going to, you know, try to order here from here as much as we can because they're to us, so it's the best Chinese restaurant in town, and we have a lot of them because um, mm-hmm. we have the highest Chinese student population of any uh, university in the country, and we want this to be around forever. And we're sad that they had to close for so long, and we hope that they will. Uh, yeah. They will be able to stick yeah, it out. We are tomorrow morning at
1: 5 a.m. Things are starting to open back up here in the state of Iowa.
0: Okay. Though
1: how I'm still confused about what that even means because you're still, they're still recommending to stay at home and to social distance and all those things. So I suppose you have the option then. Yeah. Um, I actually am supposed to have a hair appointment tomorrow and I messaged my hairdresser today. And I was like, so I don't know what this means. She goes, yeah, I'm checking into it. I'll get back to you. So slowly but surely, things are getting up and going again. But yeah, it'll be interesting what is going to look the same and what's going to evolve and what's going to change and what's going to be different and all of those things. So Yeah,
0: for sure. So shifting gears here, back to our storytelling, what is on your bucket list right now? I'm loving, like, we have these conversations and then I go make the layout and we have a conversation yeah. and then I, I go, go make the layout. <laughs> it's
1: accountability. Yeah, so, for sure with, I get bored with recipes on any given month. So definitely since we've been home more and we're cooking more meals. And, um, so I was flipping through different cookbooks and websites for inspiration. And we have a kind of like a family cookbook. It was on my husband's mom's side. And whenever they would have Family Reunions, everyone was supposed to bring a recipe, and they basically put together binders with page protectors, and then you would just add to it over the years. And we've made several different recipes out of the family cookbook over the years, but my favorite ones – well, prior to this, we were making – we make uh, a molasses kind of ginger snap cookie Mm -hmm. that is actually a recipe of my husband's – I think it's my husband's great-grandmother that is amazing – And then over the weekend, I was flipping through, and I'd seen there was a rhubarb dessert cake recipe that was from my husband's great-grandmother. So this kind of prompted me to think about, so these recipes were put in there by my husband's mom and her sisters. So it's kind of like, these are the memories that they have of their grandmothers or their great-grandmothers or whoever, however far back they are, um, were these recipes, and that's when they... Make them or eat them. They think about these people, so it kind of made me prompted me to think about. Well, I don't necessarily have a lot of recipes per se that I link to my grandmothers, but I definitely have different memories. So, like my one grandma always had extra gum, and she had these weird like they were like Pepto pismal pink, like chalky candy things at her house. And, <laughs> um, we always had Waldorf salad at all like the holidays. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. pimento cheese filled celery. And then my other grandma would always have um, pumpkin custard, not pumpkin pie, just like pumpkin custard. She always had Tootsie rolls. So I was asking Dan, like, what are your memories of your grandma's? So I think it'd be fun to do a page and we could pair pictures of like, you know, him with each of his grandparents or his grandmothers and me with my grandmothers and kind of just list out some of our memories, our childhood memories of spending time with those people. And when we think of them, kind of what comes to mind. Oh, I love that. I really like those connection type layouts. Those are some of my favorites.
0: Well, I think that's a, a model that you could use for other stories as well. Like particularly if you're doing like, more like short snippets like here's all the things we remember you can do that about yeah, so I'm many different things links. Yeah. yeah you could do that like all the things i remember about high school or um and those little things when you read that that gives you feelings of nostalgia Hmm. i love that so much awesome. i've i've thought a lot recently probably in the past like three or four years that i really want to have that recipe that emily's gonna remember me making all the time And so for me, it's a, I make this like ranch dressing from, it gets like semi from scratch, but I add basil pesto to it. And that's, that's what makes it different than, than anybody else does. And we often have it on pasta salad. And so like, that's my thing is my like basil ranch pasta salad. And it's not like fancy, but it's memorable. and something that she always asks for. And I hope that maybe someday that she'll make as well.
1: That's what she'll remember. I have... Definitely have like memories from my youth of that I associate with foods. I'll have to ask my kids if there's anything particular that stands out to them. Cause it is interesting to think and what you think their memory might be or like the recipe might be, might be very different.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think some people are much like I'm very like food associated. Like somebody asked me, like, how was your mother's day? And I itemized all the things oh, that yeah. I ate. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, well, we made this rhubarb dessert. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, not anything that I did or how I spent time with my family. It was like, well, you know, Emily got me coffee for breakfast and Steve brought me Chipotle for lunch. And then we made, Emily and I made dinner together and yeah, it was, it's funny, but.
1: (laughs) Well, I noticed, um, when I was doing like my March favorites layout, I saw I list 10 things that are my favorites from the month. Five of them are related to food. So yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so my bucket list story is also related to food. Uh, Oh, we'll see. Perfect. This happened um, on National Scrapbook Day weekend. I had uh, my husband go out and get some donuts from our local donut shop that my friend owns. And for the first time, I tried peanut butter icing with peanuts on top. And like, I'm not, I like peanut butter and I like peanut butter and chocolate things more than I used to. But I was like, you know what? That sounds good. And I tried it. I was like, oh my gosh, it just flooded me with memories of a donut that I used to eat as a kid. And it's called the Pershing Donut. And there's two different versions of this. One is this like basically a cinnamon bun with sticky, fluffy pink icing. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about one that's a similar shape, but yeah, it's covered in peanuts on top. (laughs) And I don't know how, like where the divergence happened, like in the history of this, but my grandpa would always buy these. Because he was like, get up at 5 a.m., go have coffee with mm-hmm. his buddies every single morning of his life. And then he would often bring donuts home for grandma. And if I was staying there, he'd bring donuts home for me, too. And this that was like the special donut because it had all the nuts on it. Is this a regional thing? I think it's like, yeah, like a Midwest thing. But I mean, you're in the Midwest,
1: too. Yeah. And my dad would bring home donuts. He used to work saturday mornings and he would go he'd get up early and go to work and then he would come home with donuts when i was really little but it was always like apple fritters and just a plain glaze like we weren't we weren't doing fancy nut covered ones but
0: um i just sent you a picture in the skype chat to see if you recognize this donut
1: (laughs) i don't know i'm actually not a big donut eater okay so i never really look at i don't ever go to the donut case i like donuts but my whole thing is like i'm hungry, like. 10 minutes
0: later. Oh, that (laughs) is very true. No, it is. That's why they're better like snacks. Well, I will,
1: I will, I will definitely be checking this out.
0: Yeah. And I will include, like, there's, it sounds I felt, amazing. there's like a whole Wikipedia entry on the different types of these. And I did some research cause I'm going to, I'm going to make a layout. Um, like the prompt is about the, like what triggered the story is the donut, both the one that I just had and, and the history of this donut. But it's also more about like my relationship with my grandpa. We would have our special breakfast where we would go to like a, a diner and get biscuits and gravy. And like, we definitely had like a food relationship <laughs> and he would you know but get oh, yeah. his um, his like rye crisp bread cuz he was raised in like by by you know his mom had come from sweden and so he was raised on the traditional swedish foods and so we definitely had some memories related to that as well and like i felt a lot of that when we were in sweden i was like you know this reminds me of my childhood and things that i ate
1: oh that's awesome yeah i'll be interested to see how you structure cuz it's a lot of stories Again, like we always come back to that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that was like a big theme that kept coming up in our conversations during storytelling month is that how do you take this this amorphous idea and share the complexities of that on a page? Like sometimes it's a long narrative and sometimes it's lists like your example. And other times Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, multiple like sections of journaling that are related but separate. So there's lots of different ways that you can break down the word part of your story to have to bring it all together on the page, and then how you support that with your products as well.
1: Yeah, and again, I don't think that's something that historically I've really thought much about.
0: Now I'm curious. Did you take Ellie's Hello Story class when it first came out? I did. Uh, it was a bi- wasn't um, that still a big picture classes when that.
1: The first one. It was. I think it was one of my first. Was it like 2009? I nine? want to say, because so I think I had just started scrapbooking and I did several of those four expert classes that year. I think I did Kathy Zielski's design your life one. And then I did. I hello,
0: think 2009 story. was All more I like yesterday talk- and oh, today. You know
1: what? Yesterday and today was the first one I did. And then a yeah. Hello Story I did after that. Yes. I think that was the following year. So I did. So maybe I should revisit some of that content. Because, well, and the thing I remember about that, it was, it was different structures to use. There was, like, addition. So it was kind of tr- taking... I remember the one about, like, it was addition or subtraction. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, like, the... Was it, like, the six six-word story? I don't know. So...
0: Yeah. I, I the reason I brought this up is because she's releasing Hello Story three this fall. <gasps> um yeah. and, you know on her website. And I think re-releasing Hello Story Two as a self-paced class at that time. Um and like hers is very like story and design, like very much intertwined in terms of the story structures. Um, but it's certainly like very well done and very fascinating to to put together these complicated – you know, the story itself may not be more complicated, but to the way you can express it in a more intricate way on your page and a very interesting way. I think it's just – it's always well done.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll have to check that out because I did not
0: – I don't think
1: I knew there was a hello story too. to be honest. So
0: maybe I shouldn't
1: crawl out from under my rock every now well, and then. Well,
0: you've been – you know, <laughs> you know, we've, we've had a lot going on at Simple Scrapper over the past few years too.
1: We've been. <laughs> there you go.
0: But no, I do remember,
1: and that is a good point about how using your story as part of the design. Yes. Right. As opposed to just being like an add-on at the end.
0: Or, Correct. So and it's certainly be like intentional with that. Fun to like, you know, make a really like cool layered page and then like, you know, add your little journaling snippet. Like that's certainly a hundred million percent valid way to scrapbook, but sometimes it's fun to like really design the whole thing around what you're trying to convey um, as a whole. And I will say that was one thing I found really interesting at our,
1: the your way workshop was just hearing from different people about one of the questions is about what you struggle with, with storytelling. Um, and how I feel like it was the gamut from some people that said like, they didn't really do anything as far as storytelling with words. And then there were the people that said, like, I have too much story and I don't know how to break it down or crawl it. And then there was another person that they were a big journaler. And so they put all of their word stories in their journal and then they used their scrapbooking. It was for like photo and creative play. So it was just very separated for her. And so she was wanting to kind of meld them together more. Oh, that's exciting. It's really interesting to see how different people approach. I mean, essentially we're all like, same thing, right? We're all like scrapbooking, having fun with products and photos and and sometimes story, but um, how we all approach it and view it very differently.
0: Well, I think it, I it can be a kind of a loaded term or you have certain assumptions related to the word story um, and what that means and what that looks like. And I think a lot of what we've done inside the community is, is talking about how that can look different for everyone. And even if you aren't, writing more than a sentence on the page, it doesn't mean there's no story there. And sometimes we need to like almost like uh, broaden our horizons and open our eyes to what we're already doing and how we're already expressing our story in different ways from the products we choose, the colors, the textures, how you combine the photos. The story is there and the words are a supplement to that. Now, if you want to add more words, that's fantastic. Um, It doesn't necessarily look only like a page of journaling. Well, and I think also the point that that will look
1: different for each layout you do. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. So give yourself permission to just let it evolve based on what it needs to be. So just in the group today, we have a member that's doing the hundred day project and she's scrapbooking every day. And, um, she posted that she'd done a layout and there wasn't a lot of words on it. And, um, you know, but it was good. It was building momentum, but it was like at some point, like the photo definitely told the story. Right. Yeah. So. You know, not every layout has to have,
0: like you said, a page of journaling. Well, I think if you're doing something also that's I can see like a, a series of things over time. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this to a certain degree um in the photo book magic seminar on Friday, that like you don't have to have a page of journaling for every page in your photo book. Like sometimes the photo, like our photos from going to wall drug, there really was more not more than a paragraph to say like it's a big store of junk. I can see why people mm-hmm. think it's interesting, but, you know, that's... And did you get water? Water.
1: That was always the big thing that you could get. It was free water at Waldorf. Like, <laughs> it had, like, a water fountain. And <laughs> I, actually... I don't remember. <laughs> like, yep, yep. And so we you stop and get water. And actually, and I don't know if she still does, but a girl I used to work with when I was in pharmacy school, um, she's the pharmacist there. And so in like 2012, I think we went out for a family vacation and we stopped and had lunch
0: with her. It was That's so really cool. Yeah. <laughs> we bought a stuffed um, jackalope and donuts.
1: <laughs> oh, don't see. <laughs> and I feel like there's a donut thing. Um, I will say the other interesting thing about stories, the whole storytelling concept for me, and this came up with some of our Wednesday posts was the idea of if someone shared their memories of something, I might not have the same memory, but it would trigger other memories that I had. So it's kind of this domino effect and mm. how you can gain so much from others and seeing their stories and their memories.
0: Oh, 100%. I think that I mean that's the value of like Spark Magazine, too, is that you can admire the, the creativity and how the page was designed, but when you read their story, it will bubble up things in you that maybe even have nothing to do with their story. But they're like, oh, well, I've never, you know, I've never documented that or I've never approached my journaling with that format before. Um, So just the more you can observe what other people are doing, the more it will inspire your own work.
1: And I think it comes back to that whole idea, too. And we've talked about this before. Just because somebody does something different than you doesn't mean that you can't learn from them. Like that's actually probably when you learn the most.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. 100%. 100%. Um, and I, I think that's one of the cool things about our community is we have paper and digital scrapbookers and, of course, lots of hybrid and everything under the sun together, and we're all learning from each other all the time. And if, if it was much more siloed, then I don't think it would be as interesting and we wouldn't have those same opportunities to grow.
1: No. I would agree.
0: So I think that's a great transition to Geek Month because Geek Month is going to be all about, like, Growing in one way or the other, related to technology, but not necessarily. Like, the idea is that there are these systems and processes in our scrapbooking that support us getting things done, um, either creatively or just the simple, the productivity of it. And we always want to dive in and create this opportunity to focus on that because I think this is something that gets like pushed aside a little bit. And so, Kim, I'm curious what you think is the geekiest system that you already have. I am not very text-heavy. I only, like, learn what I need
1: to <laughs> in order <laughs> to get something accomplished. Because um, this came up the other day, too. Somebody's like, oh, Kim, you're a Trello expert. I'm like, no, not really. I can just do what I need. I kind of leave it at that. Um, probably my whole, like, planning process, when I – that whole hybrid planning approach, how I take a – you know, a sketch or a template and I create it in Photoshop elements and then I like basically dissect it and then recreate it in paper products. That is probably to somebody that just kind of sits down and lets their page evolve organically. That is probably extremely like rigid and geeky to them. But to me, I really enjoy that
0: process a lot. Oh, So I, I think probably that, yeah.
1: how I even like sit down, how I make a layout was probably pretty geeky.
0: Well, I think it shows that you can do something that on the outside looks really geeky, but you only need to know what you need to know to accomplish that. You don't need to be a Photoshop expert to be able to use it to do a hybrid layout. Yes. And I've always, you know, when I've tried to, to teach folks how to use our templates, like you don't. You don't need how to know how to use like blending layers and opacity and masking and all that. You just need to know how to clip one layer to the other, do a clipping mask, period. Yeah. Like, and, that, you don't and that's need... pretty much what I know how to do. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it served me well for years.
0: Yeah. So, for me, I think it's probably like just my photo setup that I have photos coming from my phone and my husband's phone, and they automatically go to Lightroom in the cloud, which then are automatically transferred to my external hard drive that's attached to my computer and then all of that is automatically backed up with backblaze um and i would say that i would say that within an hour any one photo is is backed up as long as i have lightroom open
1: that's pretty awesome yeah yeah
0: so, no, it, yeah, it is pretty cool. And I have I have several videos related to this. And so I will include at least a, a link to one of those in the show notes so you can get a better idea of of how I have this set up. But this, to me, is like this is the the foundation of me being able to scrapbook is the, the security of knowing there's backup and the automation of getting photos from place to place. Now, you can oh, yeah. have a very simple system without automation as long as you know how to repeat that process. And I think that's a lot of what I want to talk about this month is How do you get your photos from A to B in a way that you can do every single time you want to scrapbook so that you know where your photos are and you can get them to that place? And that you remember to actually do. Because if it's not automated, you have to follow through on that. Correct. So it has to be easy enough. Um, mm-hmm. there was a time when it was more difficult for me to get photos off of my big camera. I would always be fussing. I had one of those Wi-Fi memory cards, but then I always have to like get it connected and then wait for it. And it was it took like an hour to transfer the photos. And then I realized I could take the card out and use it like a regular memory card and stick it in my computer and take the photos off that way. Um, yeah,
1: that's so, how I do it. You know,
0: even with like but yeah, it's
1: not automatic. Though I do have it in my, of course, in my Toadie app to remind me like yeah. every couple of weeks, like upload photos. Because if I find if I don't do it regularly, then it does become overwhelming. And then I just avoid it. So if I can kind of keep at things regularly, then it never ever reaches that overwhelm point. Though I will yes. say sometimes there's like a big event or a holiday, like if we're traveling, a lot of times I bring my laptops then I'm always like downloading things as we go because, yeah, otherwise it does become overwhelming. But yeah, you have to remember to actually do it if it's not automatically happening behind the
0: scenes. Well, and sometimes the best system for you is not as complicated as you think you need it to be. Like even I spent... At least four hours, another Wi-Fi situation trying to connect my printer to the network so that we any of us could print at oh. any time. It never worked because it's just too old at this point. And I'm like, you know what? I could plug it in and print. Mm-hmm. And like I, I literally yeah. did not realize that until like, you know, after four hours of struggling with it that I could have printed what I needed four hours ago. Um if I just plugged I, it like, in.
1: Printers <laughs> and the Wi-Fi is I think it's a perennially difficult topic. I don't know if I've ever discussed that with anyone that's like, oh, yeah, it works every time. It's perfect. Like it'll work for a while and then I don't like the power will go out or something will get rebooted. And then it's just like,
0: I mean, I always get it to work eventually, but it's not
1: always easy. No. So
0: So now we just have it. We have it plugged in downstairs to one of the computers. And, you know, we just use Uh that computer to print if we need to print something. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So I'm curious if there's any kind of geeky type areas where you want to work on, where you're still struggling or like something that you want to get more into. It's like interesting to you or, or something, you know, you need to, to fix in your hobby.
1: Um, I would like to probably be a more confident photo editor. And I know we had that class that I, uh, I have not completed at Simple Scrapper this year. Um, so I think I started watching like the first few weeks of videos and I never got back to it. So, you know, I just wing it when it comes to editing. And I think at some point, you know, there is an element of that, but it's kind of like the fashion things too, right? It would be nice to have a few guidelines to kind of start with and then evolve from there.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's, that's probably a pretty common area and it takes a lot of practice. Like my, after taking that class, my confidence is greater than it was before but it's still not like I don't feel like an expert so I think I'll need to like go through it again and like do other things and keep practicing keep learning um because it's not like I could never be a professional photographer because I would spend so much time agonizing over whether or not people would hate my photos because I didn't edit them the right way horrible yes like, like I would yeah, it would be exhausting. It was. It's not. I mean, plus the whole dealing with people all the time. It would just yeah, not good for my personality. But I have a friend that um does do photos.
1: It's kind of a hobby side photography. She actually took um our extended family photos for us. Oh gosh, I guess it's been like a year and a half now. And I just remember talking to her about like do the editing process, and she goes, sometimes it's just really she just has to be in the right mindset for it. She says. sometimes it's great. And then sometimes you're just like, Oh, I have to work through these, but yeah, I would personally, I would find it difficult.
0: Well, yeah. And I think it's been helpful to uh, shift my mindset a little bit. There was a time when I really felt like I needed to edit every photo that I was saving. And I look back on them and, and I don't particularly like the editing style that I chose now. And I, and I still have the originals, but I, a I just I don't feel that's necessary anymore like yes like if I'm doing a, a cohesive project I might edit all the photos that are going in that project so they all fit together but that doesn't mean I'm going to edit all thousand photos we took on vacation because mm. it's not it doesn't make sense you yeah know? that's not
1: something I think I ever really did it was just more if I was going to use it I would edit it well but I can see like the how it would be attractive the idea of where you're looking at if you're looking through your photo library that they all you know are at their best but I
0: don't know when I think the it's almost like fashion in a way that your taste will change over time sometimes you might like it a little more moody sometimes you want it all bright and airy and then but like you look back and it's like oh gosh I put that you know when I first had Instagram I filtered every single photo with the exact same filter and I'm like I don't really like that anymore. Everything looks kind of washed out from the (laughs) seventies.
1: Well, and I think that is an interesting point. And I I will say from like the fashion side of things too, right? Like I look back to like my parents in the seventies and like they had really bold colors and patterns. And I think like, I don't, I don't want that to be me. And when I look back at, you know, when I was younger, but at the same point, that really speaks to the era and the time period. So, I think there's definitely
0: pros and cons to that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So for me, I don't know how geeky this is, but I, I do have a desire to get better at sewing on my layouts. I have broken several needles trying to <laughs> sew on my layouts in the past. And now my sewing machine is out Because in theory here, I'm going to make masks before I give up and buy them on Etsy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, once I do that, then I really need to practice again sewing on my layouts. I just never, like, I don't know a lot about different types of needles and tension and like, there's not like there's a big tutorial on how to sew on paper. (laughs) Like it's not, you know, it didn't come with my, my, my singer handbook here of sewing on paper. (laughs) I don't know. I've done it for a long time. And I don't know. I
1: think I just started and yeah. I don't have any special needle. I'm sure I just used whatever needle it came with. I do have some different needles now, but it's more for, right. Like I was sewing a Halloween costume and it was this slick fabric and I needed like a ballpoint needle or, you know, then, so it's more for those types of things. But as far as for layouts,
0: I don't think I did anything special,
1: but yes, I love sewing on layouts. That's one of my like
0: favorite things to do. And do you still sew on your hybrid layouts a lot? Yes. Yes. I need to do, see, I I like the look of it and I've always liked to look, I'll even like the look of it when I was doing digital. Like my favorite product was stitches. Cause I just, Mm -hmm. I loved the, the the slightly like messy imperfectness of it. It's Uh, kind of like homespun a little bit. Yeah, I also like
1: it because I feel like it adds a lot of texture, but
0: not a lot of visual weight. Correct. And it can, it can, so, anch- I, think- I mean, it's literally anking things, but it can visually anchor things to the page as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I want to, I want to do more of that. Um, that's kind of a goal for the second half of the year here. Now that my sewing machine well, is is out again and not hidden. Okay. So, well, and I think, you
1: know. I would imagine there have to be some sort of resources out there or at least a blog post or two of somebody saying this is how I do it.
0: Well, I will Google that and I will see if we what we can find because I'm sure somebody's done a tutorial at some point or a video or something mm-hmm. saying like I've tried, you know, especially ones that say here's what didn't work and then here's the one mm-hmm. that I chose because these are the things that didn't work. Um,
1: and I would think especially like I just – again, right, I'm such an expert sewist. Um, like I just – whatever like random – Standard weight thread, but I would think that might make a difference too. Different yeah, probably. I've might been, um, yeah,
0: yeah. I've been using thread from the seventies, and I'm worried that, that it's might like have something or, to do with it. Maybe right. it, <laughs> might. it might. <laughs> anyway, so like, if we could wrap up this idea of of Geek Month. Um, for for our listeners here, why do you think this is important and why do we want to encourage uh folks to to jump in and participate, whether it's you know inside the membership or just joining us for the the your way workshop?
1: I think sometimes these more technical aspects of our hobby can feel really risky, especially if you're trying you're hoping to like trust the system with your photos. Or you're going to invest a lot of like time and energy and sometimes money into this whole process. And you don't know how it's going to work out or if it's going to be a good fit for you. So I think that is sometimes where it is hard for people to just get started. Because one, sometimes it's overwhelming to even know where to start. But two, you don't want to screw up. And so I think maybe trying to find ways to kind of take those baby steps. Mm-hmm. And depending on whatever you know, scenario you're facing. Um, so maybe it doesn't feel so scary.
0: Well, I think maybe, maybe that very important. some of the things have things that you've tried before and it was, it just felt really frustrating. And so you gave up, um, and it makes you not want to go back there. If you had a, a negative experience You're like, Oh, I just, I can't do it because it doesn't work like, like the printer and connecting it to the Wi-Fi. You know, <laughs> if, it, if you spent four hours struggling and you could never get it to work, um, then it can make you feel really hesitant to invest the time. But I think that's where the community comes in is because you can ask even before you take a baby step. Okay. Here's what I want to do. Tell me what has and has not worked for you so that I can, you know, learn from your mistakes and learn from your successes to, to forge a positive path forward.
1: Or even like what your other options might be in that arena. Yeah, because you might might try something because this is what you think like, well, this is going to work. And then if it doesn't, you're like, well, great. What do I do now? Yeah. So definitely reaching out to the community is like a goldmine. Well,
0: and I think that I mentioned this like very early on in this part of the conversation is that I I hear a lot like, well, I don't like yeah i don't print my photos at home or sell my layouts or uh have an automated way of moving my photos yet and like because because all x y and z all these things that we've enumerated um, and i want this month to really be this invitation to focus on one problem you have not all the problems just one problem (sighs) and finally figure that out reach out for support and figure out your solution to make it better yeah I, it'll be really just think about all the awesome like success stories
1: and how much that will. I just think, right. If you can like build those successes, like what a weight, some of these problems people have been like, I feel like the backing up photos or something. I feel like for some people, these have it's been on their mind for years. They've just oh. never taken the step, but oh, if they could sure. actually like conquer it or at least get in the right direction, what
0: a win that would be. Yeah. We're, I mean, finally making some progress on, my husband's lifetime of photos and part of this was just, you know, was waiting for him to be ready. So now he's doing, he's taking this huge interest in learning how to like scan using a high end scanner and doing it the right way and doing dust removal. And like, I'm, I'm a million percent supportive of his because I know it's moving his photo library forward, which is predominantly in print form and, you know, slides and negatives too. So like, that's finally moving forward but it took some sort of trigger and incentive like a in a period of time and for him it was being at home to to make that thing happen And i think that's a good point too about
1: sometimes it's that whole adage about you know the teacher will come so it's like waiting for like the the right time yes and i hopefully this is the right time you know maybe it's not the right time for one issue that you're facing but you can make progress on something else so like you said we probably most of us have more than one thing that we'd like to tackle so
0: oh i'm sure yeah so one opportunity to to do some of this in a more focused way will be our session of photo crush during june and photo crush is we've kind of really made it an open ended opportunity to work in your photo library we have kind of a course to work through the steps if you haven't really done anything with your photo organization, but you don't even need to work through all of it. Maybe you just want to work on the portion of that moving photos from A to B part creating, you know, your system. Um, so I hope that will be an even more intensive opportunity, a seven-day period to to dive into some more photo-related uh, challenges related to Geek Month.
1: Well, and I think for a lot of people, photos are a challenge right especially because things have evolved so much in such a short period of time that we're still trying to figure out you know what direction we're headed um because once you figure out one system then all of a sudden everything's evolved again so you're just always having to evolve so i think that's where the photo crush part of things is really can be really valuable
0: we, yeah and i think that we've we've tried to have some sort of background theme throughout our sessions of photo crush like you know, you can do the basics, or you can focus more on this one area. And I I really think that maybe we've even shied away from talking about the geekier aspects, because not everyone wants to deal with that. But I think this is like, we're going to get technical, we're going to provide as much support as we can to for your unique combination of, you know, devices and software and all that so that, you know, we can get your system working.
1: Well and then that's a very valid point too, right? Everyone has different software and devices and it is not the same across everything. So that's the other frustrating part of things.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that I've I try to recommend again and again is that yes, you probably have a lot of photos and maybe they're in lots of different places, maybe you have lots of duplicate photos in many locations and you're not sure like which is the one to keep. But if you can get your brand new photos, not the photos from today, the photos you take tomorrow, if you can get it set up so that you know that those future photos are going to the right place to one single home on your computer, you will, like, you will be more, I don't don't have the right way thing to say is here. Like, that's, that's how you will protect yourself in the future from future frustration is to start with today and forward. And then you can start moving on the photos that, you've taken in the past and moving those into your system
1: does that make well, sense I think one yeah I think it brings peace of mind a little bit um and maybe a sense of hope because you're moving forward but also as you do that successfully hopefully you're building confidence that then you're able to go back and deal with those older photos
0: oh very well said thank you <laughs> So, Kim, I know you have read our June book club selection, They Left Us Everything by Plum Johnson. It's a memoir. Can you share maybe your recollection of this and why you think our audience might enjoy reading it?
1: So I actually read this for um, like a real life book club that I was in. And I thought it was really fascinating because there's lots of layers to the storytelling because basically it's a story of this woman who's kind of going through her parents' um, things after they've passed and how her recollections of family stories versus what she's uncovering as she goes through the family home, how they are the same in some ways and different in some ways. And it just basically brings a whole new light to storytelling perspective. And I think it will be interesting because a lot of the books that we've, we read for book club Sometimes they feel more technical or it's like the scientific aspects or mm-hmm. that whole self-help realm. And this is definitely a memoir. So it's a, just a different – I think a different take on um, memory keeping um,
0: and a, kind of a different thing for our book club. So I think it'll be – I'm excited about it. I liked this book a lot. Well, you know, we use you know, your previous selection too about um, burnt, burnt
1: burnt Toast. What's the, what's oh, the yes. full title there? It was – I do not remember it, but I do remember that book. That was – I, I really like those types of stories, so Me I'm excited to share I, this one with the group.
0: I, I think that this is a really, a really good genre to uh, balance some of the can be drier. Uh, books that we read you know especially like the ones that have uh, a sign as you said a scientific backing like the you know it's a it's a a professor a researcher who's you know mm-hmm. sharing their knowledge and their collective wisdom from others in the industry to you know provide advice sometimes those can be a little bit more dry and that's that's okay they're interesting in their own right but I think these mm-hmm. memoirs are often offer a really nice balance
1: yeah. And I really enjoy some of those books. Like, I mean, we can go back to whatever atomic habits. I mean, he had, it wasn't all just science-based, but it was very like step-by-step kind of structural referencing different studies. And I really enjoyed that. So I think it's just nice to have variety. I get bored easily. Well, I, guess. I
0: think I don't know. I, I enjoyed atomic habits far more than I enjoyed habit by Charles Duhigg. Like that was just so much more or, like, you know, academic literature than mm-hmm. Atomic Habits, which is very more like, here, let's take, like, here's what the scientists learned. Now let's do something with it. You know, it was... Exactly. let's apply it. It, it was yes. more application. And I think he really, ma- he really made it interesting and engaging. Um, I don't know, like, I've certainly learned a lot about this particular genre over the past years of our book club. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's certainly been fascinating. And I already have books on the list for next year. Um, but i'm I'm always looking for other recommendations and because we, we do have such a positive reaction to when we include memoirs is so I think our third, um, I'd definitely be interested in other memoirs that have a real like storytelling connection that would be relevant for scrapbookers to to read and discuss.
1: And I think the other interesting side of things too from the memoir perspective is Who is the person telling the story, right? Is it an older person looking back on their life or is it, in this case, a daughter that's examining, like, her relationship with her parents and her siblings? There's so many different facets to look at that I think that's one of the reasons why it's so fascinating to me.
0: Cool. Well, I can't wait to start this one um well Kim, this is always fun I yeah I'm looking forward to next time and for all of you listening out there uh thank you so much for listening to the podcast I love putting it together I've got a great lineup of guests coming up for geek month I hope you enjoy those episodes as well and as always remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way all right thank you cool